Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study. In this series, Pastor Kirk Hall will be teaching through the book of the Bible known as the Revelation. At this time, open your Bible as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truth to your heart. You guys open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 17. And I'm sure that you noticed that we went through chapters 15 and chapter 16 rather quickly. And that's going to slow down for just a little while as we begin to look at uh, Babylon and the fall of Babylon. You, you see that your lesson tonight is Babylon's fall part one. We're going to be discussing in the next few weeks the system of Babylon, which we will talk about tonight, and then we're going to talk about the fall of Babylon's religion, and then we're going to talk about the fall of Babylon's rule. We're going to talk about how Babylon is going to come to a fall, but before we do that, we're going to talk tonight about what exactly is Babylon, which we will see in just a moment from one particular verse, and then we will, in the next few weeks, be looking at chapters 17 and 18 in great detail. But in 16, we saw those sequential bowls of wrath just being poured out one right after the other in a chronological or sequential order. That's going to stop. So I want you to understand that when we get to those places in Revelation where, where we stop from chronological for a moment, we're going to actually look at in, 16, in 17 and 18, we're going to look at the details of something that occurred during those pouring out of the bowls that we saw. And what John is going to receive, he's going to receive great detail on the fall of Babylon. We remember back in chapter 14, or I hope you do, verse 8, it said, A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Remember we saw in John's vision as he was laying it out for us, we saw those angels. One angel was proclaiming the gospel, and then this other angel was then following saying that Babylon has fallen, Babylon the great. Then we saw in chapter 16, verse 19, that the great city split into three parts, talking about Jerusalem, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. If you remember, if you were here when we were covering 16, we got to that portion of 16 and I told you, we're going to talk about this later in greater detail about Babylon and what that consists of. And so it's best for us tonight to focus on Babylon in the context of, of Revelation, not so much as a city, but as a system. And I want us to focus on it as a system because though Babylon in the end that we see here in Revelation, which... I've already alluded to many times, I believe, will be a restored Roman Empire under the Antichrist. But the Babylon that we will see in the end is a system that has been here for eons. And, and I want us to understand that system, and that's what we're going to look at tonight, because before we can understand the importance of the fall of Babylon, before we can really understand exactly what is going to occur in the entirety of chapter 17 and 18, we have to kind of have some understanding as to what Babylon really is. We're going to look at one particular verse tonight, and I know this is kind of odd because we're going to jump to the fifth verse here in 17. But in the fifth verse, we see 
this, this title was written on her forehead. Of course, this is metaphorically speaking of her, which is Babylon, or the system that we will be looking at known as Babylon. And here's what it said. It said, mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And so there's much debate in theological circles, as you can imagine, as to what this actually means. And I think as we look at the details in the next few weeks surrounding Babylon, mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth, this title is going to become more and more clear to us. We're going to understand it a little bit better. But Babylon will be, in the end, not only a religious system, which is controlled, as we have mentioned before, by, of course, Satan through the Antichrist and then through the false prophet, the Antichrist being that first beast that came up out of the sea, and then the false prophet being that second beast that came up out of the earth. Babylon is going to be a religious system, but it's also going to be a governmental, political, economical system as well. And so in order to fully understand that, we're going to have to really get down to what John is relaying here when he receives this title, Mystery Babylon the Great. Mystery. Uh, that, that word is not some word that causes us to go, ooh, this is not a mystery as uh, you need to find all the clues. When we see the word mystery in Scripture, what it means is something that has been hidden or something that is secret that is being revealed or will be revealed later. And so there has obviously been this mystery or this secret of Babylon for a long time. What is it? What does it mean? How is it going to play a role in the end times? So we're going to ask those questions. What is the system of Babylon? We're going to ask and answer that tonight. Who is Mystery Babylon the Great? We want to know that. We just saw in verse 5, who rules this system? I think we already know that, but we're going to clarify that. We're going to nail that down. And what role will this system play in the end times? So in order to really understand Babylon, the mystery that we're seeing John reveal to us here, we have to go back to its origins. In one study in particular already, we have talked about this in lesson number 29. If you took notes, I'm sure you remember exactly which lesson is lesson number 29. Uh, but if you don't, it's chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 8, we talked about um, Babylon for the first time in our study. And I brought you all the way back to Genesis chapter 10, Genesis chapter 11. Because that is where the system of Babylon, or we know it, in Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11, as Babel. Uh, Babel was that system that we saw that originated with a person by the name of Nimrod who was a descendant of Ham. And Nimrod actually founded this place known as Babel. But something interesting happened there in chapter 11. In chapter 11, we know the story, or I hope you know the story, of the Tower of Babel. In that story, evil mankind, disobeying God as evil mankind does, just a short time after the flood, here's mankind again after the earth has been destroyed for rebelling against God. God told them after they came out of the ark, go throughout the earth and repopulate it. But they didn't go throughout the earth. 
They actually tried to do things their own way. And so they established Babel. And here at Babel, they began to build a tower. And what many of us miss, if we're not careful in that story of Babel, they were building a tower to the heavens so that they could be known for what they had done. Now, what they had done, they had created an idol. And so we see way back at Babel, we see idolatry. And the system of idolatry, what we know it as in our day and time, is the system of the world. And the system of rebellious mankind, which is that system of the world, it has its origins way back, we know, in a place called Babel. That's where we see Babylon comes from. So we come to Babylon in the Old Testament over and over and over again, and we see that evil system that began there at Babel. We see that evil system in 2 Kings chapter 17, all the way through 25, 2 Kings. We see it in 2 Chronicles 32, all the way through 36. We see it in Daniel's prophecies, Babylon, led by evil Nebuchadnezzar. And then we see it in many of the Old Testament prophets as they prophesied Jerusalem falling to Babylon in their day. Falling to this same evil, wicked system that we see all the way back in Genesis chapter 11. So this is a wicked system of rebellion toward God. It is what it has been all of this time. And John is letting us know this mystery is being revealed. So I want you to not focus necessarily on Babylon as a city or a settlement. But again, I want you to focus on it as a system. Because it is a system that has always been controlled by Satan. It is the world's system, and Satan controls this world. In fact, in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 11, Jesus himself refers to Satan as the prince of this world. Thankfully, Jesus says the prince of this world now stands condemned, but he's still referred to him as the prince of this world. Satan is in limited control of this world. He is in control of Babylon, the system of this world. We're going to see that to its fullest degree in Revelation, where Satan absolutely controls every single element and aspect of the world. Globally, he will control the politics, he will control the economics, he will control all of the military strength and governmental power, he will control all of the world's religion. So Satan is ruling this system known as Babylon. Again, Paul also reiterates in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, when he's speaking of Satan, he calls him the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Satan is the ruler of Babylon, the world, wicked man's system. Don't, don't think for a moment anything else. Man's government, which is corrupted by sin, is ruled by Satan. Now, when we move toward the end, as we are seeing it unfold here in Revelation, I think it's going to be even more obvious his control over things. Well, it's seemingly becoming more obvious day by day in our world, isn't it? Isn't it becoming more obvious that there is a system in this world that is controlling all of the wickedness, a system that no matter what we try to do, 
No matter what we see and identify, they just continually become more and more and more wicked and anti-God, anti-Christ, pro-Satan, pro-sin, pro-wicked agenda. Don't we see that even in our day? Now what I want you to understand is when we talk Babylon of the Revelation, it is that system to the utmost. It is the system of the wicked world, wicked sinful mankind controlled by Satan to the fullest degree. Babylon in the Revelation will be Satan's kingdom like we have never seen it before. And I want us to break those elements down so that we can understand it tonight. And and what will realistically serve as an intro for our next two lessons so that we can understand the system of Babylon. Because I want you to know that that system is alive and well even now. Even now. Even though there is no literal city called Babylon, though Saddam Hussein tried to reestablish Babylon, obviously, that's not what John is talking about here. He's talking about a mystery, a secret that has not yet been revealed, that will be revealed. And I believe that that secret is this, that Babylon, the system of Antichrist, has always been here. Why can I confidently say that? Because Jesus spoke of that, that the spirit of Antichrist is already here. The apostles spoke of that, that the spirit of Antichrist is already here, that the system of Babylon is already in place. Again, we can trace its roots all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, and we can see that that system was in place as early as then. Now, when you see what the system is, because though those of you who are born again today won't be controlled by the system of Babylon in the Revelation, you face that system every day of your life, even now. You face the draw of the world and the pull of the world and the temptation of the world. Those things stem from biblical Babylon, the idolatry of the world. And when we talk about this in the context of Revelation, I want you to see that it is, number one, and if you have your outline there, underline this, a system of influence. It's a system of influence. The system of Babylon in the end times will influence all of the unbelieving population of the earth. There will not be a person alive who does not come under the influence of Babylon in some way, shape, or form. Again, as I told you, my belief is that it is that revived Roman Empire under the spell of the Antichrist. It is Babylon 2.0 like we have never seen throughout history. This entire empire will fall under the control of one wicked leader and those nations those countries that serve alongside of him and have allegiance to him. So the system of influence will have political, economic, and military influence. Through the Antichrist, I want all of you to understand that one world ruler will influence everyone else throughout the earth. One ruler. Now, Throughout time, there have been many people pointed to as the Antichrist. I have covered this in another lesson. I won't cover this again, but I will reiterate that. None of them have controlled the entire system of the world, political, economical, militarily, governmentally. Never has one 
person done that. However, with the Antichrist in the end, this will happen. Many people who we call preterists in their theology and in their eschatology think that Nero was the Antichrist. Well, the problem with Nero being the Antichrist is Nero did not control even the known world. This Antichrist in the end will control everything. The system of Babylon will be the only system left on this earth ruling and reigning until Christ returns, the true King of kings and Lord of lords, to establish His kingdom. So this is a system of influence, political, economical, militarily, but also religious. It will be a religious influence. And I say that because so many people think that during this dark time of revelation, the earth will be free from every type of religious influence. But can I tell you this? That will be the farthest thing from the truth. It'll be the farthest thing from the truth. In fact, through the false prophet, a one-world religion is going to be established, influencing everyone in the name of religion. Uh, many think that by this time there will be no religious anything. That all religion will be gone and it will just be wickedness and evil. However, that's false ideology. This will be a time of false religion like the world has never seen. This will be a system of great influence. We've already seen the tidbits of it as we've walked verse by verse through this. Where that false prophet is going to give a voice the image of the beast, so that it seems alive. And, and all those who do not bow down and worship the image of the beast, they're going to lose their life. They're going to have their life taken from them because they don't worship this religious system. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So the system's going to be a system of great influence. Never has the world seen this type of influence. We can go back to Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a man of great influence. In just a few years, he totally changed the mindset of most of Europe. In just a few years. But yet he did not control the whole world. Now in those days, I promise you, there were people who thought that Adolf Hitler had to be the Antichrist. And the Nazi regime had to be Babylon, the revised Roman Empire. But it wasn't. Because it never came to full fruition. Now, was he a type of Antichrist? 100%. He was a type of Antichrist, just like types of Christ. We see all throughout Scripture there are types that reveal Christ and an element of Christ and point to the, the, the full fruition of Christ that later came to this earth as God incarnate. But just because we see the types of Antichrist do, does not mean that we see the one who will rule this system known as mystery Babylon. So it is a system of influence. I want you to understand that those who are on this earth will be influenced by the system. Politically, economically, but also religiously. Not only is it a system of influence, it's a system of idolatry. A system of idolatry. And, and here, here's how this is going to work. For the first part of this, because we know that, that Daniel has taught us some things in regard to the Antichrist and his kingdom. 
We know that for the first three and a half years, it's going to be three and a half years of peace. What's going to happen is the Antichrist somehow is going to bring some type of religious unity to this world. Religious unity is going to come. It's going to come through an apostate ecumenical church. And what, what does that mean? It's a, an unbelieving church. It's apostate. But ecumenical, excuse me, means this. That, that we're just, for the sake of unity, embracing all sorts of theology and all sorts of doctrine and all sorts of beliefs. Uh, you've all seen it on the back of the cars where we see the little stick figure that says coexist. And it's got all the religions all tied into one. We can see in seeing emblems like that, that the Antichrist is already at work, and the system of Babylon is already at work convincing people that we ought to just all come together in the name of unity. And it's false unity that the Antichrist is going to bring. He's going to bring unity only for a time. He's going to bring peace to the world only for a time, and we know that that time is a definite three and a half years, that false unity is going to be what brings power to the beast. People are going to respect him because what he is going to look like, he is going to initially look like this leader who unifies the religions of the world. The Buddhist will worship with the Muslim. The Muslim will worship with the Jew. The false Christian church will worship with all of them because they will buy into the bill of goods called unity. Oh, we see it now. Right where we're being forced to just unify for the sake of unifying. And in unifying, what we ultimately will have to do is compromise Christ. Because those of us who are Christians, we know this, that it is Christ and Christ alone that saves. It is a gospel of exclusivity. It is the gospel of Christ that leads us to God. It's not the gospel of Christ and something else. It's not the gospel of Christ, but yet there's the other person over here who's doing things with sincerity and they're trying to get there their own way. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So in these last days, what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of religion, but it'll be a system of idolatry. People are going to worship unity first. Let's all just come together. Oh, can we feel even now? Can we feel... This is being pushed down even our throats in our day. And we just have to come together. Come together for what? Under the banner of picket, love, social justice, acceptance, equality. Oh, we hear all these things through all the ideology of man that's going on right now, don't we? Yet Christ says for us to come out and be separate from the world, to come out and be separate from Babylon. Babylon's going to be a system of ecumenical ideology. Why don't we all just come together and why don't we all just get along? That's why the true Christian is going to be persecuted under the system because the true Christian will never allow that. The true Christian will say, Solus Christus, it is in Christ alone that I place my faith. It is in Christ alone that gives me access to the Father. It is in Christ alone that I truly have and have found salvation in Him and Him alone, according to the Word of God alone. Oh, you can't just believe in that book alone. What, what about the Book of Mormon and what about the Quran? What about this and what about that? Shouldn't we all just come together so that we can have peace? Jesus Himself said, I came not to bring peace but a sword. And Jesus has brought the sword. He has brought that sword to this earth that sword divides us. 
And until he comes and he sets the record straight, we will be divided. It divides the world. You are either in the system of the world or you are in Christ. And there is no in-between. Scripture makes that very clear. So the system of idolatry is going to begin with apostate ecumenical church ideology where we all just get along for the sake of getting along. Forsaking the one true God and forsaking the one true gospel as defined by Scripture so that we can accept all beliefs in all religions. You think it won't happen? You better look around. It's happening now. It's happening right this second. The next step of this idolatrous campaign is going to be the worship of the image of the beast as we saw mapped out for us in chapter 13. This is the idol of the Antichrist. At the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist is going to commit the abomination of desolation. We see that in Daniel's prophecy in chapter 9, verse 27. It says, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. This abomination of desolation that the Antichrist is going to commit at the midpoint of the tribulation, that tribulation being a seven-year period at three and a half years, all the unity that he has brought, he is now going to set himself up as God. Instead of all roads leading to God, with that ecumenical ideology, it's going to be now instead, I am God. He's going to set himself up as God. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, as he speaks of the same thing, the abomination of desolation. At that point in time, as he sets himself up to be God, we know then by the aid of the second beast who came up out of the earth, that is the false prophet. The false prophet is then going to start the propaganda so that the whole world then worships the beast or they lose their life. He's going to set up that image, and if you don't bow to the image, you will die. So when the Antichrist sets himself up as God, he's going to gain the allegiance of some. He's going to gain the attention of others. Others are going to say, Namely, the Jews, wait a second. This is the abomination of desolation. What he did at the temple, many think it will be some type of unholy sacrifice which will get the attention of the Jewish population on the earth, which will cause them to see at that point in time, through not only this event, but through the influence of the 144,000, those 12,000 of the 12 tribes who were sent out into the earth to proclaim the good news of the gospel. At that time, much of the Jewish population is going to see that this is a hoax. Upon seeing that this is a hoax, they're then going to give their life for Christ as martyrs. We've seen that documented. We'll continue to see that as this unfolds. In Revelation chapter 13, we saw this. <coughs> if you remember, when we looked back in verse 11, we saw a beast coming out of the earth. That beast that had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. That false prophet who looked like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. And he exercised the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. 
And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Remember, he was duplicating and mimicking the fire that fell from heaven, just as the two witnesses who were here by God could also do. It says in verse 14 of chapter 13, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth, and he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Verse 15 goes on to tell us this in chapter 13, he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. There will be a system of idolatry upon this earth like we have never seen. Everyone who does not bow to the image of this beast, the Antichrist, who does not submit to the system of Babylon, they will refuse at their very lives. They will refuse at their very lives. The system will be inundated with false idolatry. I want you to think for a moment. Even throughout the Roman Empire, with all of their gods and their goddesses and all of their idols and their false worship, there is nothing in history that looks like this. Nothing. There are things that are similar to this. Why? Because the system of Babylon has always existed. But we are going to see it to its greatest degree. To its greatest degree when the Antichrist and the false prophet are working to bring the greatest system of idolatry that the world has ever seen. People will bow by the thousands upon millions upon even billions. They will bow down to worship this false antichrist. We move then from the system of idolatry and describing for ourselves tonight the system of Babylon to a system of indulgence. Not only will it be a system of idolatry and false religion, it will be a system that promotes indulgence. Indulging the world in wealth, riches, and control. The Antichrist and his kingdom will control all of the wealth and all of the trade of the world. In fact, Revelation 13, 17, when we were there, let me remind you that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name on his hand or on his forehead. The system of Babylon will control all of the wealth of the world. Oh, as greedy as sinful man is, it won't be hard for sinful man to side with the Antichrist so that he can get his share, I'm sure. Oh, isn't that the truth? Sinful man has sold out many times for the wealth of this world. The Antichrist will control it all. Can I help you understand something? He already does. Many are just ignorant. To the fact, this is the system of Babylon. 
It is not the system of Babylon to the full degree that we will see in Revelation, but the world that we live in that controls everyone into thinking the more wealth that I have, the more riches I have, the more power I have, the more esteem that I have, the more I will be seen as important. Maybe important in the eyes of man, but not important in the eyes of God. We know in the eyes of God, the first will be last, and the last shall be first, just as Jesus proclaimed while he was here on the earth. This will be a time and a system of indulgence. Indulging in worldly wealth, it'll be a thing. Also, indulging in worldly pleasures. Refusing repentance. We have watched as this wrath is unfolded, as the wrath of God falls upon the earth, but these men in this wicked system of the Antichrist loved their sin to such a degree that even when they knew that it was God dropping 100-pound hailstones upon their head, they refused to repent. They refused to give up worldly pleasures, sexual immorality, idolatry, wickedness. They would rather have their wicked system than to have mercy and grace and forgiveness and eternal life. They're even going to, in this time, indulge in the name of religion. Revelation 17, verse 4, where we are tonight, says this in verse 4, the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls, and she held a golden cup in her hand filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. We're going to see next week that this is describing for us that prostitute. Some of your Bibles call her the whore of Babylon. And even this prostitute is here dressed in all of these extravagant garments, and we see Jewels and precious stones and gold. The indulgences of the world, all in the name of religion. We're going to see that when we look at this prostitute, it is that false religion that is going to come upon the earth during the end. She is that woman who is seen here in 17 riding the beast in allegiance with him, being carried by him. And so this prostitute, this false religious system will indulge in worldly pleasures all in the name of religion. That's why back in the days of the Reformation, many of the Reformers believed that the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, was the whore of Babylon because she was dressed extravagantly, ornamented. And she was a false religious system of the day. We know that it's going to be far greater than even Roman Catholicism in the end, in the times of Antichrist, in the times of the full system of Babylon that we see here that John is describing, this mystery, Babylon the Great, this false political and false religious system. First John chapter 2, John tells us something very interesting. First John chapter 2 Verse 15, John says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I want you to see the parallel tonight between the world and Babylon. It is that mystery that has been since Babel. It is that hidden system of the world that, that so many times we, we dabble in with, without even making ourselves aware of it. It is that wicked system of indulgence that even John in his first epistle warns us about. Do not love this world. He's not talking about loving God's creation and being thankful for God's creation. He's not talking about the literal world. But he is talking about the literal system of the world. And that literal system of the world is controlled by Satan. It is that system that is the mystery, Babylon the Great, that we see here in Revelation 17, verse 5. It is a system of indulgence. People will indulge in sin during this time like they never have in the history of the earth. Can you imagine? Seeing all that they are going to see, the seven trumpet blasts, the seven seals, the seven bowls of God's wrath, still refusing to repent, still holding on to their worldly sin and their worldly indulgences. It's a system of indulgence. And then lastly, we'll see tonight it's a system of iniquity. The system of Babylon is a system of iniquity. It's a blasphemous system. If you remember back with me in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea, and he had ten horns and seven heads. And we described what all that meant back then. With ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. A blasphemous name. In order for it to be blasphemous, I, I want you to understand what the term blasphemy means. It means that you are blaspheming God. Revelation chapter 13, verse 5, it says, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. And he opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. And he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. At 42 months, we know is that last portion of that seven years. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. It will be a blasphemous system, a system that blasphemes the one true holy God. In fact, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8 it says, while I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one. He's talking about the Antichrist. The Antichrist is known as the little horn, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. This system of Antichrist is a system of iniquity because it is a blasphemous system. The Greek word for blaspheme that we're seeing in these Text in Revelation, it means this. It means impious speech toward God's divine majesty. This system will have impious, irreverent, 
unholy speech toward the majesty of God. Because it has always been Satan's intention. Way back when he was called Lucifer, when he was evicted from heaven because of his rebellion, his intentions were to ascend the hill and to be worshipped as God. The Antichrist who is controlled by the dragon who came from the sea, will allow Satan, through the influence of that false prophet, will allow him to get what he has desired finally. And he will receive worship from many as he blasphemes the one true God with his lips, and not only his lips, but all of those who join with him will blaspheme the one true holy God of Scripture. The Antichrist, blaspheming God and seeking worship for himself, just as the prophet Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 11 in describing the Antichrist. Verse 36, it says, The king, it's a little K there, indicating the one who thinks he's king. The king will do as he pleases. And he will exalt and magnify himself above every God and will say unheard of things against the God of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any God, but will exalt himself above them all. That's Daniel's description of the Antichrist. Sounds very similar to John's description of the Antichrist. He is going to set himself up as God, blaspheming and saying all sorts of irreverent things toward the one true God, Jehovah, to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this in verse 3, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That man of lawlessness is the Antichrist, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. The system of Babylon is constantly trying to dethrone God. We can look at the governments today. We can look at our own government who is constantly going against the God of Scripture, who is constantly even blaspheming His name, standing with those who openly blaspheme His name. You know how you blaspheme the name of God when He makes you male? You say, no God, I don't want to be what you made me to be. I want to be what I want to be. You blaspheme God. You're saying that God is wrong and you are right. That is the thinking of Babylon. We're going to see it to a greater degree. Did you catch that statement there in verse 37 of Daniel 11? He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women. Many translators throughout time have said this about Antichrist, that he will either be celibate or he will be homosexual. They didn't have to deal with the thoughts that we have to deal with today. Perhaps he will be transgender, or perhaps he will be non-binary, or all the other phrases that we have somehow used to pervert the things in our day regarding sex and sexuality. 
he will distinctly set himself apart as God. Oh, I can see it now. I wouldn't it be so easy in our world today to respect someone who is non-binary just because they're willing to make a stand and say that they're not really sure what they are. And the whole world fall after this person and worship them just because they bring false peace for three and a half years. Oh, we have seen in recent days how quickly man can be deceived. Oh, we can think of many, many instances where we have seen that example in the last three or four years. We've been deceived to the point so many times that it's hard to trust anyone, isn't it? We can't even trust the weatherman anymore. We sure can't trust the media. We sure can't trust the government. Right, just today... We received news that the government knew all about the balloon the whole time since it took off. Well, just two weeks ago, you said you didn't even know it was here. Now you're not sure what it was. So which one is it? The system of Babylon is a system of iniquity. Don't be surprised when the world lies to you, when the world connives and deceives you. Because it is the father of lies who is behind all of it. Now we push the fast forward button, we move to this time that John is describing, when this liar, this blasphemer, Satan himself, through the Antichrist and through the false prophet, has control of the whole world. It commits great blasphemy with God constantly, or toward God constantly with his mouth. This is greater blasphemy than was committed by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon himself. We can look back and remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon set up a golden image, and everybody who didn't bow to the golden image would be thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, how wicked that was. How blasphemous that was. Then there was Antiochus Epiphanes, that we know through history, who was that Hellenistic Greek leader, who many people thought in his day and after even his time, that he perhaps was the Antichrist, but he was not near the blasphemer that we see will unfold during this last three and a half years of tribulation upon the earth. Then there was Herod the Great. You know how evil he was. We can read the documented history of his life. Then there was Nero of Rome who, who persecuted the Christians. In fact, let them on fire and used them as lights to light his own garden. And there was Domitian of Rome who, under his influence, even now as we're reading Revelation, John wrote, there's rulers throughout all of history who have been blasphemous against God, but never to the degree that we will see when the Antichrist controls the system of Babylon in the form of the first beast under the influence of the second beast, the false prophet. It will be a blasphemous system. He will set himself up as the one true God. And our God, Jehovah, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be blasphemed over and over and over and over again. It will not only be a blasphemous system, it will be a murderous system, the system of Babylon. 
slaughtering those who oppose the Antichrist. Slaughtering those who adhere to faith in the one true God. Slaughtering those who refuse to worship Him. Allowing those who will not receive His mark on their hand or their forehead to not be able to buy or sell, eventually starve to death, and watch their families starve to death. By His hand, He will murder the saints of God. What's the system of Babylon? It is a murderous system, isn't it? Well, the system of Babylon, even in our time, murders babies by the millions, all in the name of the idol called convenience. The same lying, blasphemous, evil, prince and power of the air, Satan, the same one who lies to these ladies, tells them that convenience is the way to go, and these young fathers that convenience is the way to go. He's the same one that will lie to people and say these Christians must go. They will find their death at the end of his sword, and the sword of all of those minions who serve him. It will be a murderous system. Revelation 13, again, outlines that for us. I remind you of that. Those who didn't bow down to the image of the beast, they were killed. No ifs, ands, or buts. It was done. So why am I telling you all this? Because I'm longing for the day that we see this system fall. We're going to see this system fall in the next two lessons. We're going to see the religious system of Babylon fall. We're going to see the governmental and political and economical system of Babylon fall. But I want you to understand exactly what you're seeing. Because I'm afraid even in our day and time, this system that does exist, and again has existed since Babel, Genesis chapter 11. I'm afraid that this system is actually contending for some of your souls even now. Why would John write something as interesting as that love not the world nor the things in the world? Because if the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father is not in you. If we were not to look at our lives and to gauge, do I love this system of the world or do I truly love the one true and living God? And have I surrendered to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, something that we all must ask ourselves. Now that we understand the system, when the Antichrist gets here, it's not going to be a new system. It's a system that Jesus himself said is already here. It's already here. I would challenge each of you, examine your life. Are you serving this system? The system, the system of the world. Right? We don't call it an idol, but, but they want you to bow down to money. Right? They want you to think that your retirement is more important than furthering the gospel in this world that we live in. They want you to think that your bank account being full is greater than you losing everything for the glory of Jesus Christ. They want you to worship their system. Right? They want you to go into a panic when their interest rates go up. Why? So you'll depend on them. 
They want to tell you how to conduct your life. What you should put into your body and what you should not put into your body. They want to dictate what is right and what is wrong. Not the Word of God dictating what is right and what is wrong. It is a system that exists even in our time. It is a system of influence. It is a system of idolatry. It is definitely a system of indulgence. It is a system of iniquity, gross iniquity. A system that is blasphemous toward God. We see it more and more and more, don't we? Oh, just the other day, everyone was up in an uproar because a transgender and a non-binary dressed themselves up as Satan. Were you shocked? Did you not know Satan was behind all of this? Oh, I was mesmerized that the Christians were shocked. Oh, I cannot believe this is happening at the Grammys. Really? You can't believe it's happening at the Grammys? Have you read Revelation at all? Wait until he is completely released and the restraining of the Holy Spirit and the church of God who's filled with the Holy Spirit is removed from this earth. Wait until he's really unleashed to do what he wants to do. But we're seeing it unfold here in the pages of Revelation. But we act as if, well, it's a system that's in the future. That is. But it is a system that's here and now. My prayer for each of you, my prayer for myself, is that we love not the things of this world. That we love not the things of this world. Because if we love this world, Scripture clearly says the love of the Father is not in us. You know why it's going to be so easy for the inhabitants of the world to fall in the system of full-fledged Babylon, the mystery Babylon the Great, the empire of the Antichrist. You know why it's going to be so easy? Because they love it. They love it. They love the idolatry. They love the indulgences. They love the iniquity. They love it all. Where are you? My prayer for you tonight is this, that if you love this world, that today you would repent of your sin. You would turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior crying out to Him and Him alone to rescue you from your sin and to rescue you from this world because I promise you, you do not want to have to endure the fate of the wicked world. We are going to see it in just a few chapters. Those who reject Christ will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Cry out to Jesus today that He may save your wretched soul. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you now thanking you for your word. Lord, we thank you that though we once belonged to the system of this world, children of Satan, inhabitants of Babylon, God, I thank you so much that you have rescued us and you have given us citizenship in your kingdom forever through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the man who's here tonight who's not surrendered to you as Lord and Savior. I pray tonight that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you open his eyes to see his need for Christ. And before he lays his head on a pillow tonight, he would turn from his sin and turn in faith to you and you alone as his Savior and Lord, trusting in your death, your burial, and your resurrection to give him life and peace and forgiveness and eternal life. Lord, I pray that he understands as your Spirit reveals to him that it was on a cross 2,000 years ago that you bore the wrath of God that belongs to the sinner who will believe. And God, that he would believe and trust in you this very day. Because your word says that today is the day of salvation. That now 
is the appointed time. Let them hear, let them believe, and save them, Lord, as only you can. Thank you for each and every one of these men. Thank you for their willingness to endure the study of the Word of God. May the truth that they see set them free to live a life that brings you glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you have grown through the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more information about Key Life Fellowship, visit our website, keylifefellowship.com, or you can email us at info at keylifefellowship.org. We would love for you to join us in person. Our men's Bible study meets every Thursday night at 7 p.m. here at the Key Life Fellowship campus located in New Caney, Texas. Or feel free to join us at one of our Sunday worship services as well. As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.